Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with your man, Bill Calarulo. Let's see it. Who's here in the chat? I already see Shakur M is here. Dev is in the house. Drew Christensen in the house. It is a glorious Tuesday for Philadelphia Eagles fans. The only 6-1 team in the NFC. And we're going to talk about that thanks to Brock Purdy throwing some bad interceptions last night. The Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins in prime time, taking down the San Francisco 49ers last night. Let's get a little roll call. Who do we got? Chuck Hutton, good morning to you. Scott Shares, go birds. What else we got? Steve Ike. We got A-Track, Wheels, MC. What is up, everybody? Coach Woods, good morning to you as well. We have a lot to talk about today. Because it may be a great day for us Eagles fans, but it is a stressful day for our fight in Phils. And I want to talk about the Phillies. We'll go over game six. We will preview game seven. But we obviously got to talk about the best damn GM in the National Football League, Howie Roseman. This guy just doesn't stop dealing. And I want to talk about this Kevin Byer trade because I love it. But let's just see that roll call coming. James Stella, what is up? BSing Sports, good to see you in the house. Robert Wallace, what's up? Steve Ike, what's going on? I wonder if our Niners fans here in the chat, love to see him check in. JM, Bill would do better to discuss the Eagles acquisition as opposed to recounting the Phillies' loss if he's looking for views. Thanks, JM. Appreciate the advice, man. But that's what we're getting into first is obviously this Kevin Byer trade. Drew Nichols, what's up, man? But we will talk about the Phillies as well today. We're not going to ignore that. But let's talk about Howie Roseman being Howie Roseman. Makes the trade for two-time All-Pro safety Kevin Byard. If you guys were paying attention in the offseason, Byard was a name that had been floated as potentially being available. In fact, I did a video on my Instagram at Legal Hands to the Face in the offseason asking, should Howie Roseman make the move for Kevin Byard? Didn't come to fruition. The reason why was they had asked him to restructure his deal. He didn't want to do it, but Titans hold on to him. But Howie Roseman swoops in, and this is what makes Howie Roseman so good, man. Obviously, they need a safety. Everybody knew it. That's not the surprise. But he really doesn't have to give up anything to upgrade that position. Philadelphia Eagles give up a 2024 fifth and sixth round draft pick and safety Terrell Edmonds. And if you guys have been following the show, you know I have zero confidence in Terrell Edmonds. I did not like Terrell Edmonds at that safety position. So for me, I was fine 
if the report was he gave up a fifth and sixth and then they were releasing Terrell Edmonds, I would have been fine with it. So the fact that he gets included in the trade, no problem here. No problem here at all. But Kevin Byard is a stud. 5'11", 212. He's 30 years old. Was a two-time first-team All-Pro. The last one coming in 2021. Was also a first-team All-Pro in 2017. But what I love the most about this trade is what has been the problem with our secondary to start the season? Injuries. Reed Blankenship can't stay healthy. Justin Evans is on IR. Sidney Brown's been out. Avante Maddox out for the season. Zach McPherson out for the season. Darius Slay's been in and out of the lineup. James Bradbury was out with a concussion. Kevin Byard has not missed a game in eight seasons. His entire time in the NFL, including seven postseason games, Kevin Byard has never missed a game. That is what I think the most important part of this move is. Because you're not only bringing in a guy who has experience at the safety position. <laughs> Scott shares, don't jinx Byard. You're right, man. I, I got to stop talking about that. But that is huge. V, don't jinx. All right, we're knocking on wood over here, guys. We're knocking on wood over here. But seriously, you look at a guy who has been durable throughout his career. And how about it? Who would have thought we would have had a middle Tennessee state safety going right up next to Reed Blankenship, another middle Tennessee state safety? They call Penn State linebacker you. I guess middle Tennessee is safety you. But what do you guys think of this move? I don't know how. Yeah, Roby hurt already, Steve Patton. Good point. You got Roby out. So that's been the problem. Too many injuries in the secondary. But what do you guys think? It's hard not to like this move. It is an upgrade. And let's just go through these stats, and then I want to talk about what Bayer does for this secondary. But in 2022, 108 tackles, four interceptions, six passes defended. Throughout his career, 27 interceptions, 674 tackles, 63 passes defended. Led the league in interceptions a few years ago. So this guy, you know he has the, the ability to cause turnovers. He's done it. A little bit of a fun fact about Kevin Byard. He has the longest touchdown pass in the Super Bowl era by a defensive player. He threw a 66-yard touchdown pass on a fake punt back in 2018, and that is the longest touchdown pass by a defensive player in NFL history. Kind of a pointless stat, but an interesting one, right? But also was born in Philadelphia. Born in Philadelphia, moved to Georgia at the age of 14. You're probably seeing some of the reports he cited as one of his favorite players of all time, Brian Dawkins. So if this guy wants to be like B-Dog, you know we're going to love him in this town. But massive upgrade. I want to see what you guys are saying in the, ch in the chat here. Kevin Byard is Dak's nemesis. So speaking of Dak, you may have seen the video floating around on Twitter of Kevin Byard going and dancing on the star in Dallas. So this guy is a Philly guy. Favorite player, Brian Dawkins, grew up in Philly, and he's already dancing on the Dallas Cowboys star. We're going to welcome him with open arms in this city. Scott Chair is the next Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins was such a great acquisition for that Eagles team. I think sometimes we don't give Malcolm Jenkins enough credit. 
for what he did on that 2017 Super Bowl team. But he was another guy who never missed a game, never missed a snap, also played special teams, Malcolm Jenkins. So Malcolm Jenkins was an absolute stud, great leader, the real RMP. Patrick Mahomes knows who Bayard is also. He had a nice sack fumble against him. Can he bat fourth for the Phillies tonight, says Tony. We're going to get into it, Tony. I hear you, man. Alec Bohm's left a little bit to be desired there. Kevin Savard, Malcolm was such an underrated player. I agree. Malcolm Jenkins, one of the best players in Eagles history, if you ask me, for what he did for this team, delivering us our first Super Bowl. So he's one of the best. But what I love most about this Kevin Byard trade is what it does now for that entire secondary, the ripple effect that it's going to have for that entire secondary. Because one of the areas that this defense has struggled is at that slot corner position. And they messed around a little bit with having Sidney Sidney Brown play that slot corner. The problem was, with Reed Blankenship out, with Justin Evans out, and with Terrell Edmonds back there, you couldn't afford to move Sidney Brown to the slot. But what I love and what I would really like to see them do is when Blankenship's healthy, you go with the middle Tennessee state safeties, Reed Blankenship and Kevin Byard, and now you have the flexibility to get Sidney Brown on the field by moving him into the slot, getting him playing closer to the line, line of scrimmage. Allow him to use his physicality, playing up on these receivers, closer to the line, helping up against the run. I just think this is going to have a great ripple effect throughout that entire secondary. And Howie Roseman does it again to the Tennessee Titans, man. If you're the Tennessee Titans, even if this is the best deal on the table coming from the Philadelphia Eagles, aren't you saying to yourself, pass? I mean, you're still getting ripped for the trade you made by sending A.J. Brown here. Best wide receiver in the NFL. You just got rid of him because you didn't want to pay him, which I still don't understand. To me, I'm thinking, all right, let's go somewhere else. We don't want to have egg on our face again making this trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I understand why the Tennessee Titans were making this trade. They're 2-4 and four in the AFC. They don't have a shot to get out of that AFC. They just don't. So they're sellers right now. They're going to be sellers. And the way Kevin Byard's contract is set up, He's got about $2.4 million against the cap this year. He's under contract for 2024, but it's not guaranteed. And then it balloons to a $14 million cap hit next year. So there was no way they were keeping Kevin Byard on that team. So they're sellers now. They get a fifth and a sixth. They get a safety. Terrell Edmonds, who's on a one-year deal, who at least can fill in and I guess become their starter. But there was no way that... Bayard was coming back to Tennessee next year anyway. So I understand why they're making this move. But for the Philadelphia Eagles, if they want this to be a long-term move, if, if they want Kevin Bayard more than just this season, there is no doubt, no doubt that they're going to have to restructure that deal because they're not going to have a $14 million cap hit next year. And like I said, it's a non-guaranteed deal anyway. And I see Jake Friel in the chat, and he's hitting the nail on the head here, that Kevin Byard has also played some slot corner in 2023. So he's got the flexibility and the versatility to really play all over the place. He's played free safety. He's played box safety. He's played slot corner. 
So he's very versatile. And Jake Friel's saying they haven't had a safety this versatile since Malcolm. So this is a huge move, man. This is a huge move for a team. And this is what I love about the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman. The Philadelphia Eagles just completely shut down the number one passing offense in the NFL on Sunday night. And less than 24 hours later, the guy who played 100% of the snaps at safety, they trade him to upgrade the position. That's what I love about this team. They're all in every single freaking year, man. And you got to give Howie Roseman and the Eagles credit. They go for it. And that's all we can ask for as a fan base. But yeah, Terrell Edmonds, the guy they just traded, he played 100% of the snaps against the Miami Dolphins. You saw him get burnt by Tyreek Hill. And I see some people floating that video around that this is why Howie got rid of him. Terrell Edmonds hasn't played well all year, man. And if you guys follow this show, you know something I said a couple of weeks ago was when they signed Terrell Edmonds, I had a little bit of a nervous feeling because there was no way Mike Tomlin was letting him out the door if this guy was good. So he was the starting safety in Pittsburgh last year, and Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers were just okay letting him sign a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles for really not a lot of money. So that was a huge tell right there that maybe this guy isn't the answer at safety. And there's Devin Owens. Exactly. Mike Tomlin got rid of him for a reason. They could have taken him back. <laughs> I'm awake. How he needs to be drug tested. You're not kidding, man. He's a GM on steroids, this guy. But I was talking with my producer, Xander, right before we came on. It's just amazing how many inept GMs there are in this league. There, there really are a lot of GMs in this league who don't know what the hell they're doing. And they hold on to these draft picks. And Xander said this before we came on. They hold on to these draft picks like they're going to get the next Tom Brady in the fifth or sixth round. The Eagles gave up a fifth and sixth round draft pick for this guy. Like, what are these other GMs doing? You know the Eagles aren't the only team in the NFL that needed to upgrade that position. But Howie being Howie, man. Howie being Howie. It is Howie season. But let's hope not only is it Howie season, let's hope it's hidden season. Tonight, because we got to switch over and talk about our fight in Phil's, man, because we were all excited last night. All excited last night that they were going to close this out. We have Aaron Nola on the mound. I'm thinking celebration. I almost got tickets. I almost went last night, and thank God I didn't, because what a brutal game that was. Brutal game. Just want to check the chat real real quick, guys, before we switch over to the fills, because I see you guys still going. How a mania is running wild, brother. Howie season. Howie's a shark. Other GMs don't have to say yes to Howie. What's up, Barbara? Good to see you. Good to see you here in the chat on the Philly Sports Power Hour. But, yeah, just a great move, guys. Great move. And we're going to talk more about the Philadelphia Eagles, guys. If you don't follow my other show, Legal Hands to the Face, we do our weekly show, usually on Monday nights. We pushed it to tonight because of the Phillies. So right here on the Jacob Sports Network, it'll be simulcast at 6.30 live. So we will talk all Philadelphia Eagles. That is just pure Philadelphia Eagles. I'll also be bringing on Dr. Chris Radcliffe. want to talk to him about some of these injuries. But most importantly, Jalen Hurts' knee. Get his opinion on Wimby, what's going on. So be sure to check it out tonight live at 6.30. We'll go right up to 8 o'clock for the fight and fills. But 
Let's switch over to our Phillies, man. I really was hopeful. Really was hopeful that they were going to close it out last night. Aaron Nola, supposed to be our ace. This guy is supposed to be... You have him on the mound in a game six clinching scenario at home at Citizens Bank Park. Nola's got to be better. And we'll get into the bats. Let's We'll get into the bats in a second. The bats went cold. I'm not completely absolving the lineup for not hitting last night. But Nola's got to be better, man. You can't get outpitched by Merrill Kelly at Citizens Bank Park in a closeout game. You just can't. And let's look at Aaron Nola because this is what really bothered me. We were talking a couple of weeks ago around the division series. Is Can we trust Aaron Nola? Because of what happened last year. Can we trust him? And we all got excited because, wow, he pitched three really good games. He pitched three really good games. Wild card. He pitches seven innings. Only gives up three hits, zero earned runs. Division series, he goes five and two-thirds. Six hits, two earned runs. And then to start this championship series, he has a gem. Pitches six innings, three hits, zero earned runs. We're like, oh, Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola, he can be trusted. We knew it. How'd we ever doubt him? Well, look what he did last year in 2022. He had a great wild card. Six and two-thirds, zero earned runs. He had a great division series. Six innings, zero earned runs. And then everything fell apart after two starts. He gives up six runs in the championship series. Five runs in his first start in the World Series. Another three runs in his second start in the World Series. Doesn't go past four and two-thirds in any of those games. So basically, all Nola gave us this year was one more game than he gave us last year. He pitched twice in the championship series in this series. He only pitched once last year and got lit up for six runs. But he did the same thing to us, man. He pitched one more good game this year than he did last year, and he comes out last night, and it's just it's unacceptable to me that your ace is going to get lit up like that in the second inning against the Arizona Diamondbacks in a closeout game. We needed Zach Wheeler to pitch seven innings in game five, and Wheeler did it. Wheeler gave us exactly what we needed, man. Completely shut it down. Because Wheeler is an ace. Wheeler wants the ball in his hand at the biggest moment. And we've talked about that when we talk about the Eagles. And that's what I love about Jalen Hurts. But Nola last night, you got to shut it down. And these weren't fluke hits. You know, we've all seen that when we've watched baseball, where a guy may be pitching well, but a fluke here, a fluke there, things happen. No. Second inning, he gives up a home run to Tommy Pham. Then they go back-to-back. He, Aaron Nola gives up back-to-back home runs, then a walk, then an RBI double. You can't give up three runs in the second inning, man. You just can't. You just can't do that if you are an ace in a closeout game with – with the right to go to the World Series on the line. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be that down on Nola. I mean, he did pitch really well to start this, this playoffs. 
but he did last year too, and that's what's frustrating. Last year, he had two good games, then he fell apart. This year, three good games, then he falls apart. It just can't happen. It can't happen, man, and not at Citizens Bank Park in a closeout game to go to the World Series. That's when you wait to finally show us the Arandola we were all worried about. And I see Shakur, he choked. He did. He did. Now, listen, I'm not absolving the lineup because even if Aaron Nola pitched great last night, that lineup did absolutely nothing. That lineup needs to be better tonight. You talk about the bats going cold. It wasn't just that they weren't getting hit. Sometimes you get some bad luck. They looked bad at the plate, chasing pitches. They made Merrill Kelly look like he was a Cy Young pitcher, man. Horrible approaches. Trey Turner, really bad at bat in the second inning. Stranded way too many runners. But, yeah, just look. Through the first three innings last night, the fighting Phils were one for seven with runners in scoring position, and they left five men on base, and they're losing 3-1. Steven Patton, we're going to get to Casty, man. We will get to Casty. But... Yeah, Aaron Nola didn't pitch great, but this team is built to hit the ball. This team is built to score runs. So even though you're down 3-1, through the first three innings, this lineup stranded five runners and went one for seven with runners in scoring position. If the bats did their job last night, maybe things are a little bit different, but you let Merrill Kelly go five innings, you only get three hits and eight strikeouts? Eight strikeouts. First of all, let's just look at what these guys did. Schwarber, I'm not faulting him. He goes 0 for 2, but he walks twice. They are not going to pitch to Schwarber. You saw it last night. They're not really giving him anything to hit. But if they're going to walk Schwarber, and they're going to pitch around Schwarber, Trey Turner has to be better. Trey Turner has to be a lot better. You can't go 0 for 4 last night and strike out with runners on first and third in the second inning. And chasing, I mean, he just looked. That was one of the worst at-bats I've seen Trey Turner have, and he struggled this year. That was one of the worst. The real zeal, this team is too dependent on the home run. Jake Friel, I love the home runs, but they need to play more small ball. They, I said this to my dad last night. Them hitting all those home runs was great. It was great. It had us all fired up, all excited. The problem is, is they're swinging for the fence every damn time now. Castellanos was on fire, and now it looks like he's swinging out of his shoes right now. Like, sometimes making contact is all you need, Casty. He's just trying to put it into the upper deck every swing. But let's keep going through. So Schwarber goes 0 for 2, but I'm not faulting him. He does walk twice. Turner has to be better. Turner was 0 for 4 last night. He was 0 for 4 in game 5. He was 1 for 3 in game 4. 1 for 3 in game 3. He needs to be better. Trey needs to show up tonight. Bryce Harper, just like Schwarber, they're not giving him a lot of pitches to hit. They're not giving him a lot of pitches to hit. He goes 0 for 3 last night with a walk, but I don't fault Harper. If they're going to walk Schwarber, and they're going to pitch around Harper. 
You know where I'm going with this. We need Alec Bohm to be better. If you're going to bat cleanup in this lineup and you know they're pitching around Schwarber and Harper, you got to make them pay. Alec Bohm needs to show up. I know he had two hits last night, but come on. Those hits were ridiculous. Did they, either one of them even get out of the infield? So Alec Bohm, 0 for 3 in game 5, 0 for 4 in game 4, 1 for 4 in game 3, 1 for 4 in game 2. Alec Bohm needs to show up tonight. Because if Schwarber and Harper get on base, Turner and Bohm have to show up. Bryson Stock goes one for four last night. JT Romuto goes one for four last night. And then we get to Castellanos, who's just done absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, man. 0 for four last night. 0 for three in game five. 0 for four in game four. 0 for three in game three. 0 for two in game two. As hot as Castellanos was in that division series, he may be even more cold now. The real zeal, that's who Casty is. And then you got Brandon Marsh batting in the eight hole. He's been our best hitter. Goes two for four last night. And then Rojas is basically like having a pitcher in that nine spot. Goes 0 for three. But I want to ask you guys, because there's been a lot of debate. I've seen a lot of things on Twitter. I know, to- I know Topper's not changing the lineup tonight. He's already said it. He's not changing the lineup tonight. Would you guys, if you're here in the chat, I want your opinion. Would you change the lineup tonight at all? Would you move it around at all? And really, the big question is, would you keep Boom in that cleanup spot? Or would you drop him down in the lineup? I want to hear what you guys would do. Because two for four with two little singles that barely get out of the infield is just not cutting it. And it's not even just you look at what he's done over the last few games with no hits. It's how he's doing it. He just doesn't look comfortable up there. Looks like he's pressing too much. Want we'll to see what you guys think here. The real Zeal said he would have moved them three nights ago. Peter Doty, I agree with Zeal. I would move JT up, drop Bohm. I'd put Sosa in, says Tony. Paul Mancini, it's hard to juggle the lineup at this juncture as players get bugged out when moving them around. Barbara Carroll, I'd move Bohm down. Steven Patton, Rail Muto in the cleanup spot. Brian Lippincott, switch it up, have to protect Bryce. It seems like a majority of you guys agree that they should probably do it. They're not going to. Topper's already said he's not going to change the lineup at all. He's just not going to do it. And look, as much as I think analytically when you watch these games, yeah, they should move Boom. It is hard to say at this point in Game 7 of the NLCS, they got here with that lineup. It's hard to say, yeah, that they, they should change it now. But, you know, we may die on that hill. Topper may die on that hill staying with these guys. But it's true to who he has been. He has been patient with these guys pretty much all season long. And he's going to stick with it. He may die on that hill tonight. But it seems like a lot of people are saying, yeah, move Real Muto up. Illuminati, what kind of value does Bohm have? Crawley, Real Muto hasn't been killing it at the plate either, and either has Casty. So 
Look, it's kind of a debate just for us because Topper's not doing it. But we'll talk a little bit more about the fight in Phil's. I want to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll take a look forward at tonight's game, the pitching matchups, because it's all on our man, Ranger Suarez, who's been absolutely lights out in his career in the playoffs. But we'll be right back, guys. We'll talk a little bit more about the Phils, and then I want to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles a little more and look around the NFL. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. In the first segment, we talked about our man Howie Roseman being Howie Roseman, bringing in Kevin Byer to really improve this secondary and this defense. And we also talked about that game six and how Aaron Nola and this lineup just needed to be better last night. But I said this on Twitter last night. I'm going to say it to you guys who are here. Obviously, we all would have loved 
for the Philadelphia Phillies to close that out last night. But we now have a Game 7 at Citizens Bank Park with the opportunity to go to the World Series. This is why we love sports. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen them celebrating last night. But this is what we love about sports. All on the line. Tonight, Game 7 at Citizens Bank Park. It really doesn't get much better than this. It really doesn't get much better than this. This is why we follow all season long for moments like this. Now, this is the first Philadelphia Phillies Game 7 in their franchise's history, which is pretty crazy. But we've had some great Game 7s in Philadelphia over the years. And if you guys are here in the chat, I want to know what is your best Game 7 memory as a Philadelphia sports fan? I have mine, and it's not even close. But what are your guys? If you're in the chat, let me hear from you. What is your best Game 7 memory in Philadelphia sports history? I'll give you guys mine in a second. But I'm seeing Illuminati. Do you like Bayard and Brown or Bayard and Blankenship going forward? So if you were here earlier, what I like is I like Kevin Bayard and Reed Blankenship playing the safety positions. I think they sh those two should be your starting safeties. But then I think it gives you flexibility to move Sidney Brown around and have him play a little bit of the slot, get him closer to the line of scrimmage, allow him to use his physicality and playmaking ability from that slot position. But talking about Game 7 memories, man, before I give you my best Game 7 memory, I'm going to give you a couple of the ones that really, really hurt. That really, really hurt. And I see the real zeal. The Flyers over Boston in 2010. That's when they made that great comeback down three games to none. Then they go down 3-0 in that series. And that's when Peter Laviolette takes the timeout. And you see him on the, on the bench saying, we only need one. We only need one. And the Flyers come back. That was such a fun season watching that. Flyers over Boston in 2010. That was awesome. Barbara Carroll, my game sevens are all losses. Steve Patton also weighing in. The Flyers and Bruins back in 2010. That's right, man. That was awesome. Let's see what else we got. Flyers over Boston. Chuck Hutton got to be the Flyers in 2010. So before I give you mine, I want to talk about, because Barbara said some losses. Sticking with the Flyers for a second, one of the ones that stung me the most is I was such a big Eric Lindros fan. And I don't know if you guys remember, in 2000, Lindros comes back for that Game 7 against the New Jersey Devils. And, and he was having concussion issues that year. And Scott Stevens just lights him up at the blue line. Lindros head down, coming into the zone. Scott Stevens lights him up. It was It's tough to watch. If you go back and watch the replay, Lindros sprawled out on the ice. Flyers, I think, were up in that series 3-2, maybe even 3-1, and they lose the series in Game 7. But that was a bad one. Another Flyers one that was tough was the 1987 Stanley Cup Final. They lost to such a stacked Edmonton Oilers team. Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Grant Fuhrer, Jerry Curry. That team was stacked. But I want to give you my best Game 7 memory before we preview the Game 7 for the fight in Phils. For me, it is easily 2001 
Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals, Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, at home. I was at that game. I was at that game, and I get emotional sometimes because I was there with my best friend who has since passed away. And we were there together. In fact, back then, I was a broke high school student, man. No money. Admitting it, we snuck into the game. We got in. We didn't have seats. We found a place to sit, and we're watching this game. Iverson goes off for 44 points. The Sixers win game seven, go to the NBA Finals, and I just remember partying at the bar there. They had Philadelphia Freedom blasting. We're all singing. We're all screaming. Such a good memory, and like I said, my friend who's passed away, him and I went together, snuck into that game, and just such an awesome memory. So hopefully there's going to be a lot of people with some great memories tonight attending game seven for these fighting fills. But it's not going to be easy. We saw what this rookie Brandon Fott did in game three. Now, the one positive is he did that in front of his home crowd. JM, broke kids don't play organized ice hockey. <laughs> that is true, man. Ice hockey is an expensive sport. Really expensive sport. But we saw what this rookie pitcher on the Arizona Diamondbacks did against this Phillies lineup in game three. But he did it in Arizona in front of his own crowd. This place better be rocking tonight. The bank better be rocking. If anybody in the chat is going to the game tonight, you better be loud. Because we got quiet really quickly last night. I didn't like it. I know it was a bad game. I know the bats were cold. But that crowd needs to be better tonight. I also didn't like that they were leaving the game in the eighth inning. It's the, it's the NLCS. I get it. This is a random game in June. Yeah, you're walking out. Not NLCS. But this crowd needs to get to Brandon Fott early because he absolutely shut down this lineup in game three. He went five and two-thirds. I thought he could have gone longer. They pulled him early. That seems to be what the Arizona Diamondbacks and really all of Major League Baseball does these days is take these pitchers out early. But five and two-thirds, two hits, no earned runs. The only two players who had hits against him in game three were Marsh and Turner. So the lineup needs to be better, and I think they will be. The one advantage that Brandon Fodd had in that game is a lot of these guys had never seen him before. This lineup's seen him now. And like I said, he's coming to the bank. He's never pitched here in front of a playoff crowd. So lineup needs to hit. And then a guy that I have a ton of confidence in, a ton of confidence, is Ranger Suarez. We had our questions about Aaron Nola. I don't have any questions about Ranger. So far in three games this postseason, he's got a .64 ERA, struck out 13 in three games. And throughout his postseason career, Ranger Suarez, eight games, .94 ERA. He's pitched 28 and two-third innings. He struck out 26, and he just looks as calm as can be out there, man. Nothing gets to Ranger. So I'm expecting a big game from Suarez tonight. But if you guys are here in the chat, you've seen the way Topper has managed Suarez and this team, taking them out even when they're dealing. And like I said, Arizona Diamondbacks are doing the same thing. Seems to be the new 
way the Major League Baseball. I hate it. There's no eye test. It's all analytics. You can see last night, why are you taking Merrill Kelly out if you're the Diamondbacks pit, uh, coaching staff? The guy just struck out two of the Phillies' best hitters, and you're taking him out. But what would you do tonight if Suarez is dealing, how many innings you giving him? You got him on a short leash like they've had him all postseason? Are you letting Suarez continue to deal if he's dealing? Now, Topper said after the game last night, outside of Aaron Nola, it is all hands on deck. So Zach Wheeler is available out of the bullpen tonight. I just pray to God this doesn't come down to any scenario where they got to bring Craig Kimbrell out of the bullpen. Please, Topper, please. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I can't be sitting there helpless watching Kimbrell come out to the mound knowing he's probably going to walk the, the leadoff batter. And then that leadoff batter is going to steal second because you, you can't hold a runner even though you've been in Major League Baseball for 15 freaking years. So please, Topper, anybody, anybody but Kimbrell. And I see BSing Sports checking in. What's up, man? Five to Ranger, two to Wheeler, one Hoffman, one Alvarado. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. Another guy I wouldn't hate is Strom. I think he's pitched well when he's had his opportunities. But, yeah, if they could go five to Ranger and then turn it over to Zach Wheeler with the lead, I'd be okay with that. Brian Lippincott, seven. I don't trust the whole bullpen. I do trust Zach Wheeler, though, Brian. And if Wheeler's coming out of the bullpen, I now trust the bullpen. Steve Patton, stuff Kimbrell in a closet. Yeah, I really just wish they would say, hey, you know what? Kimbrell's got a, uh, a calf strain, and he's unavailable. You know, let him save face a little bit, but don't put him in. And Orion Kirkring, I see Barbara Carroll saying, no, Orion. I had high hopes for Orion Kirkring, but he's kind of showed this moment may be a little bit too big for him right now. He's a young kid. I do think he's got a promising career coming out of that bullpen for these Philadelphia Phillies, but he's just not ready. The games he's gotten in in this series, he's getting hit around. So I don't think Kirkring is the answer tonight. <laughs> Let's shoot the shit. The first thing I did when I woke up was walk in the bathroom and drop a huge stinky Kimbrel. <laughs> Crawley, unless we're up seven plus, Kimbrel isn't, isn't going in. I think I agree with you. I think unless this is a complete domination by the Phillies lineup, I don't think you see Kimbrel tonight. Crawley, maybe we see Sanchez for an inning. Possible. BSing sports. He has good stuff, just not right now. Yeah, so I'd like to see Ranger. If we can get five solid innings from Ranger, I'm happy. Even happier if he gets into that sixth inning. But then if you can get Zach Wheeler on the mound for an inning or two, I still have faith in Alvarado. Hoffman's done a decent job. And like I said, I don't mind Strom. Do you go to Sir Anthony tonight? Do you guys have faith in Sir Anthony? So we will see. But crowd's got to be loud. Crowd has to be loud. Because this Brandon fought, he just came into Major League Baseball in June. But just like the fight in Phils said, all hands on deck, everyone available, everyone's available for the Diamondbacks as well. This is a win or go home. So Zach Gallen potentially coming out of that bullpen. But as good as Zach Gallen has been, this lineup hits Zach Gallen. He's given up home runs two games in a row to Schwarber and Harper. These guys can hit him. 
So he doesn't scare me coming out of the bullpen. Great pitcher, but for whatever reason, this lineup's got his number. So I think we got to get to Fott early. I mean, in any game, you'd love to jump out to an early lead, but I think with the way momentum swung after last night, the Phillies have to come out to an early lead. If they can jump on Brandon Fott early and get to him early, that crowd will be rocking. I don't think Fott goes more than three innings in this game tonight. That's my prediction. I think this lineup, seeing Fott for a second time in front of that home crowd, I think Diamondbacks are going to their bullpen by the third inning. At least that's what I'm hoping. Crawley, don't forget, Sir Anthony was a major reason the Phils made the World Series last year. Agree. I like Sir Anthony. I wouldn't have a problem going to Sir Anthony tonight. Barbara Carroll's would like to see Ranger, Strom, Sir Anthony, Alvarado, and then Wheeler to close. Not a bad move. Not a bad move to get Wheeler in there to finish out the game. Paul Mancini, pitcher Hoffman's pitched well too. Let's shoot the shit, man. I hope you're right. Phil's put up 12 runs tonight. You may see that lineup go crazy tonight. It's kind of what we've seen from them. They go cold for a little bit, and then they explode. Tonight would be a great night to explode. A great night for that Phillies lineup to explode. Brian Lippicott, Phils don't hit in bullpen games. Tonight's different, though. It's all on the line tonight. And if there's one guy that I have faith to show up tonight, and I don't even know if I need to say it, if you follow the Phillies, who always seems to show up in the big moment? Let me see it in the chat. Who always shows up? When the lights are the brightest. Who's going to have a big game tonight from what we've seen in his short time in a Phillies uniform? There it is. Crawley X26, Bryce Harper. This guy has a flair for the traumatic. Steve Patton, he wants to see Harper homer and stare tonight. Peter Doty, Harper. If we've learned anything about Bryce Harper, is he always shows up when the lights are the brightest. And all eyes are on the Philadelphia Phillies and Citizens Bank Park tonight. Rangers closed it out last night in Game 7. There's only one game in Major League Baseball tonight. Everybody's watching that game. Game 7, Citizens Bank Park, Philadelphia Phillies, Arizona Diamondbacks, and the real zeal, Bryce freaking Harper, is going to show up in a big moment. It's like... I'd be shocked if Harper doesn't have at least one big hit tonight to change the outcome of this game. And like I said, I know we're all nervous. We all wanted to see them close it out last night. Everyone's nervous. You, you, fought, you go on Twitter and scroll, it's like they lost the series already. I get it. I'm frustrated. You heard me in the beginning of the show. I'm frustrated. But as sports fans, this is what we live for. A game seven at home with everything on the line to go to the world freaking series. Let's enjoy it. And if I'm topper, that's what I'm telling my players. That's what I'm telling my lineup tonight. Is guys, the Philadelphia Phillies have never had a game seven in franchise history. You have an opportunity to play a game seven in front of your home crowd with the right to go to the world series. This is why you've played sports your entire life for moments like this. Enjoy it. Rise to the occasion. That's what I'm telling my players. Don't be nervous. 
be excited because this is where history is made. You have a good game tonight in a Phillies uniform, you will go down in history to these fans. You will never be forgotten. Tonight is a great opportunity for all these guys. Great opportunity. And I see Barbara Carroll saying that the Flyers play at 11 p.m. too tonight. Yeah, we can't really talk about the Flyers because of how good the Eagles are right now at 6-1, and one, the Phillies in the NLCS, but Flyers are kicking butt, man. And we'll talk about it. I love, I love my Flyers, but we're not going to talk about it today. But they are playing pretty well. They are playing pretty well. But, guys, what's your predictions tonight? I see you coming in the chat a little bit. Do the Phillies win tonight? You have confidence that the Phillies are winning tonight. John Cruck is throwing the first pitch. Is that right, Barbara Carroll? That would get me fired up. That would get me fired up for sure. Peter Doty, 11 p.m. start time for the Flyers. Yeah, they're on the West Coast, man. They're on the West Coast. All right, but let's change gears for a second. My prediction is Phillies show up big tonight in a great opportunity to go down in Phillies lore forever, dominating this game and going to the World Series. But I'm expecting, which is not a hot take here, that Bryce Harper is going to have a big game. He seems to always show up when the time, when the times matter the most, Bryce Harper. So I'm seeing all Phil's win big. But quickly, switch gears for a second. I want to jump back to the NFL. And how many guys in the chat, how many of you watched the San Francisco 49ers pretty much get dominated by the Minnesota Vikings last night? I know it was a close game. I know they had an opportunity at the end of the game last night to try to win that game. But the Vikings had one of the best games I've seen them have. Kirk Cousins in prime time. We talk about Kirk Cousins in prime time. Had a great game last night. Threw for over 300 yards against that Vikings defense in prime time. So what did I'm pulling up his stats now because I know he had a great game. But Kirk Cousins, he did have that one interception, but really wasn't his fault. Got ripped out of Jordan Addison's hands. But last night, Kirk Cousins, 35 of 45, 378 yards, two touchdowns. Did have that one interception. But he did all that without Justin Jefferson on the field. That rookie Jordan Addison is the real deal. I got him on my fantasy team too, so he lit it up for me last night. But what I thought was even more impressive was what that Vikings defense was able to do to San Francisco's offense. Held Brock Purdy 270 yards, but forced him to commit two interceptions. There he is, Niners all damn day. Here we go. We got cheated, no doubt. I was looking for you earlier, Niners all damn day. What happened, man? What happened to the Niners last night? What happened to your boy Brock Purdy? What was that? Two, two losses in a row for the Niners? How'd you get cheated last night? I want to hear how you guys got cheated last night. Was it on the first interception by Brock Purdy or was it on the second one? Which one was it? But, and I see JM in the chat, the, the Niners have a bad pass defense. Yeah, they do. They've had a bad pass defense all year. Their run defense is good. The run defense has been good, but they've struggled against the pass. But I'm not seeing Niners all damn day. I want to hear how you guys got cheated. They don't want us as the one seed. Why? Here come the excuses, man. Come on. I want to hear how you got cheated last night by Kirk Cousins in prime time. 
how you let Jordan Addison, a rookie, go off on you last night. Why Brock Purdy threw two really bad interceptions in that game last night. What's going on? What's the problem? But huge for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not only do the San Francisco 49ers lose last night, the Detroit Lions lost, got crushed by the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. And the Lions have looked good. They did not look good last night, or excuse me, on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. So right now, there is only one team in the NFC at 6-1. and one. And if you're in the chat, let me hear who it is. Give me a little E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles in the chat for our man Niners all damn day because the Philadelphia Eagles are the only 6-1 and one team in the NFC. So let's hear it in the chat. There you go, BSing Sports. I love it. And what do the Philadelphia Eagles do? They go 6-1, and one, number one in the NFC, shut down the number one passing defense in the NFL, the number one rush, excuse me, passing offense in the NFL, the number one rushing offense in the NFL. And then they turn around and say, you know what? We're still going to upgrade. We're still going to go bring in a two-time all-pro safety and replace a guy who played 100% of the snaps. Love it. Love it. Okay, here we go. Niners all damn day. We need Debo back. No one stops us. Williams was out. Come on. Here come the excuses. Here come the excuses. Debo doesn't play defense, man. Trent Williams doesn't play defense, man. And you let the Minnesota Vikings dominate you. Dominate your defense. So, Debo Samuel, yeah, he would have helped a little on offense. You got dominated on the defensive side of the ball by the Minnesota Vikings and primetime Kirk. So, I don't want to hear all the excuses. And Jalen is a running back. Here we go. Love it. Love it. But Philadelphia Eagles sitting at 6-1, and one, the only team in the NFC sitting at 6-1. and one. And take a quick look, guys, because the snap counts came out for our Philadelphia Eagles against the Miami Dolphins. And I want to give a little bit of credit to our man, Fletcher Cox. You talked, I talked about Fletcher Cox yesterday and how good of a game he had at 32 years old, how good of a season he's having at 32 years old. He played 76% of the snaps again against the Miami Dolphins. In every game he's been in, he's playing over 70% of the snaps from that defensive tackle position at 32 years old, and he is playing well. He is playing really well. So you got Fletcher Cox at 76%. Interestingly, Jalen Carter only played 39% of the snaps against the Miami Dolphins. It always feels like he's playing more because when he's on the field, he makes things happen, but he only plays 39%. Jordan Davis, 57%. Milton Williams, 49%. When you got four defensive tackles like that, you are going to be tough to beat. Brandon Graham only played 12 snaps on Sunday. And thankfully, Derek Barnett only played seven. Please keep limiting his reps. Keep Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick on the field. Now, Nolan Smith did get his first sack. We shouted him out yesterday, but he only played four snaps in that game, so he made the most of his four opportunities getting a sack on one of those reps. Also, 
If you follow me on Instagram, I did a video yesterday giving a lot of credit to Sean Desai for what he's been able to do with this secondary. Josiah Scott off the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad played 35% of the reps in that Dolphins game. Eli Ricks, undrafted rookie, played 29% of the snaps in the Dolphins game. What this defense was able to do with guys like that is a real testament to Sean Desai. A real testament to Sean Desai. And then you got the San Francisco 49ers who can't shut down primetime Kirk. And the Philadelphia Eagles with practice squad players and undrafted rookies are shutting down the number one offense in the Miami Dolphins. So real happy you're here today, Niners. Real happy you're here today. And then lastly, guys, looking at that linebacker position, Zach Cunningham played 100% of the snaps. N'Kobe Dean working his way up. He played 61% of the snaps, whereas Nicholas Morrow only played 39%. So you're seeing them start to get N'Kobe Dean some more reps. Starting to get N'Kobe Dean some more reps. But we will talk more tomorrow about our Philadelphia Eagles, and obviously we will be recapping, hopefully, a Game 7 victory, the first Game 7 in Philly's franchise history for these fighting Phils to go to the World Series against the Texas Rangers. They wouldn't have home field advantage against the Rangers. It was interesting because they go to overall record. The Rangers, the Astros, and the Phillies all had the same record. So then they have to go to head-to-head matchup, and it's crazy because the Philadelphia Phillies opened their regular season against the Texas Rangers, and because they lost that series way back to start the regular season, they wouldn't have home field advantage against the Rangers. It's crazy how all that worked out. But let's hope we're even talking about home field advantage and World Series and all that because the Phillies deliver tonight. So, guys, as always, love seeing you in the chat. Love the engagement. Smash that like button before you head on the way out. Hit that share button. I really appreciate all of you taking an hour to talk Philly sports with me. It's the best part of my day. Hopefully, it's the best part of yours as well. Go Phillies. Go Birds. I'll see all you guys tomorrow. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.